A depraved, brutal criminal act by a gang you're about to see. It is horrible, but somehow, is it tolerable? Is this okay? Is this not worthy of national attention? This is a racist attack against a woman these children perceived as white. Kids happen to be black. The woman they thought was white. It's interesting though, this barely made any news and listen to how they treat it. They leave out the race of all involved. New video shows the disturbing attack in downtown Crossing. A 20-year-old woman beaten and kicked by a group of juveniles while she's already down, one of them as young as 12 years old. Okay, but apparently they were infuriated by her hairstyle and they thought a woman of her complexion should not have been wearing her hair in that manner. Hardly a word about this, and in televised reports, not one word about the race of those involved. It just happens, and it goes away without any public discussion of any seriousness. Just like last week's subway attack here in New York City, a deranged maniac opened fire and shot 10 people on a New York City subway. It looks like terrorism. And it happened last week. It seems like it happened a year and a half ago. And the man who did it had clearly racial motivations. He was angry at, yep, white people. You useless white whore, dirty white You wanna look down at me? You. This is real. This is how some people think. And for a time, the FBI was, well, professional enough to acknowledge it, that there was a problem, something called BIE, Black Identity Extremism. And they addressed it, they studied it, they thought about ways to counteract it, and they weren't afraid to call it BIE. It was in FBI reports and it, it broke it down a little bit further. Let's put that up on the screen, please. It is very likely BIEs proactively target police and openly identify and justify their actions with social political agendas commensurate with their perceived injustices against African Americans. This is, well, it rings true. I've seen it. We've seen it. People of all races have seen it but it's no longer acknowledged because some Democrats got offended and the FBI caved. So nobody's being surveilled or investigated on the black and any extremism. We don't use, we don't use that terminology anymore. That was part of the reorganization of all of our domestic terrorism threat categorization. That terminology went away uh, as part of this racially motivated violent extremism category. Okay, it went away. We're not gonna talk about black extremism. No, because it was offensive to some people. Well, it's really offensive, I think, when you get shot, but what are you gonna do? So law enforcement isn't focused on it, and the media certainly aren't. What are they focused on? Silly, trivial matters, like a young kid who allegedly shoplifts. And yeah, the cops have to do something about that, right? Now, you may have heard of this case. It happened in upstate New York. The young man was actually not arrested. They took him home to his father. Kid had other previous brush-ups with the law. Uh, this 
made bigger news than that gang that attacked the woman because they didn't like her hair. A viral video of an eight-year-old boy being taken into custody has sparked an internal review by the Syracuse Police Department. This video was recorded by a passerby. It's disturbing. It shows three officers putting the little boy into a police car after they say he stole something from a store. I think it was a bag of chips. The video has been shared more than a million times on social media. Some people accuse police of overreacting. Syracuse's mayor says the officers did not handcuff the boy. He says they took him home after his father to his father and did not press any charges. The mayor has asked the Syracuse police to review all of that footage of the incident. Wow. Well, you know what I found even more shocking? Uh, 18 kids beating up on a woman, kicking her uh, because of her race. Yeah, I found that actually more shocking, more newsworthy, and not a lick of coverage. No. Back to the eight-year-old, again, who was not arrested. They took him home to his father. It sparked a national conversation. The mayor of Syracuse says the officer knew the child from prior interactions. Police say they are reviewing the body camera videos from all three officers involved in this incident. I think it's uh, triggering when you look at the numbers in terms of how black and brown children have been criminalized. And you see an eight-year-old and you ask yourself, is there any other way we could have handled this? What is she talking about? This is network television, everybody. CBS News. Gail King is about to say something. Black and brown children have been criminalized. No evidence, nothing to back that up. What they're trying to do is basically make it almost impossible to accuse someone of color of a crime. Yeah, it's a very twisted, warped agenda. And look at how folks just bend over backwards trying to agree with it. Well, it seems like such a teachable moment that if you had called the parents to the scene, that there could have been a different different. interaction. And maybe they attempted that. I mean, I think they should do a thorough review. And if there's a better way to do it, better way to handle it, that should be the new practice. But once again, it's the cell phone that Mm -hmm. sort of shines light on how these things happen or bring about questions about possible policies that might. Yeah, it's hard when you hear the anguish of the child who's clearly very shaken up and probably maybe a little traumatized by it. You do have to wonder, is there a better way? Because I think, well, not everybody, but many kids have stolen stuff from stores. Is anybody going to stick up for the cops? Huh? Maybe one of them could leave the studio, drive up to Syracuse and see if they can find a better way with a kid who apparently has stolen stuff before, and they just brought him to his father, okay? So they'll talk this into the ground, but the subway shooting from last week is ancient history. Now, why is it ancient history? Well, nobody died, right? Maybe maybe it is time to move on. Well, let's talk about January 6th for a moment. Hmm? I keep hearing this is the worst thing that ever happened since, what, the War of 1812? One person did die, One of the protesters, Ashley Babbitt, of course, they never talk about her, do they? Something is very warped and weird in our culture right now. They're trying to demonize people based on race and give all kinds of latitude, again, based on race. Depends what race, however. Okay, moving on to uh, Piers Morgan. You hear about that little stunt he pulled? Maybe. All right. Now, Piers did an interview with the president, and uh, the promo for it was totally over the top. Made it seem like these guys essentially had a fight, almost physical. Take a look. 
Okay, Piers, I'm ready. A former president in denial. I'll be completely straight with you to your face. I think I'm a very honest man. Much more honest than you, actually. Really? Yeah. It was a free and fair match. You lost. Only a fool would think You think I'm a fool? I do now, yeah. With respect. Excuse me. Okay, with respect. The legacy. It's the hard evidence. Excuse me. The most explosive interview of the year. I don't think you're real. It's, I really it's I'm not like Very dishonest. Let's finish up the interview. Morgan versus Trump. Turn the camera off. Very dishonest. Only on Talk TV. Wow, they're going to wrestle. What's going to happen? This is amazing. That promo could be a great big phony. Hey, one thing, though, did you notice how they film President Trump? I mean, super, super tight. They always do it. Uh, I think they're trying to catch him in the most unflattering light possible, although he looks fine. Look at Piers. You see, they're much kinder to the interviewer. 60 Minutes does that. I'd never liked it. Anyway, uh, it looks like that promotion job was a fake job. Uh, they were running a tape recorder in the room, and here's how it really wrapped up. President Trump didn't storm out. Listen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. That was great. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Turn the camera off. You want to turn the camera off before you start small talk or whatever like that. It was uh, totally fine. So let's talk a little bit about Piers. Uh, Piers is a showman. Piers is out for Piers. Um, and Piers is high maintenance. You remember when he walked off the set on his old show over there in London? Mm. And I understand that you don't like Meghan Markle. You've made it so clear a number of times on this program a number of times, and I understand that you've got a personal relationship with Meghan Markle or had one, and she cut you off. She's entitled to cut you off if she wants to. Has she said anything about you since she cut you off? I don't think she has, but yet you continue to trash her. OK, I'm done with this. No, no, no. Sorry. No, uh, uh, sorry. So, do you know what? That's pathetic. You can trash me, mate, but not my no, own. No, 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 no. See I'm, you later. I'm being... So sorry, can't this do this. This is absolutely diabolical behaviour. <laughs> wasn't quite diabolical. It was bad behavior. Diabolical. Give me a break. But he did just walk off the set because he was, I guess, losing an argument. And here he is losing an argument about, what, 10, 12 years ago with uh, much younger but still brilliant Ben Shapiro. Take a look. This is on CNN. Right when Piers took over for Larry King. What you tend to do is you tend to demonize people who differ from you politically by standing on the graves of the children of Sandy Hook, saying they don't seem to care enough about the dead kids. If they cared more about the dead kids, they would agree with you on policy. I think we can have a rational political conversation about balancing rights and risks and rewards of all of these different policies. But I don't think that what we need to do is demonize people on the other side as, as being unfeeling about, the, about what happened in How Sandy Hook. How dare you accuse me of standing on the graves of the children that died there? How dare you? I've seen you do it repeatedly, Pierce. Like I say, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? Well, I mean, you get emotional when you're losing the argument on the merits. That's Piers. Now, there is a chance that Piers is somewhat innocent here. We'll get to that in a second. President Trump put out a, a blistering statement. It's a classic. Piers Morgan, like the rest of the fake news media, attempted to unlawfully and deceptively edit his long and tedious interview with me. Uh, let's see. He wanted to make it look like I walked out on the interview when my time limit of 20 minutes went over by an hour. What's next? The good news is that the interview was taped by us as a means of keeping him honest. 
It just shows what I have to deal with in the fake news media. He went out of his way to deceptively edit an interview and got caught. I think this is my favorite. Unlike others, I don't believe Piers is a complete slime ball, but he lost a lot of credibility. Piers is off to a bad start, but thanks to me, he may get a final burst of big ratings before it all comes crashing down. So um, it is possible that Piers is not a total slime ball because I noticed this uh, promotional spot it wasn't his voice, so maybe somebody in the promotions department, the marketing department, got carried away. Maybe it's not Piers' fault, but it is Piers' responsibility, okay? And how about that cheap trick of taking the president's face and filming it so close like that? You know what? You still look fine, and only he could take this. Only he could take it, and that's pretty amazing for all of us. I really do think he is fighting for us. Stay with us. Netflix took a major, major hit. And they may they finally figuring out that all their woke programming isn't working. We'll be right back. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. All, All I can, can say is, is that, that the fake news just doesn't get it, get it do, do they? Wow, especially CNN. You know, they try to have a CNN spinoff, a streaming service called CNN Plus. It did not work, not at all. It managed to stick around for a couple of weeks a few weeks. They're shutting it down at the end of the month. It is canceled. It was a $5 a month subscription service and their star attraction, Chris Wallace. A trusted television journalist with over 50 years experience in politics and world events. And now he's streaming. We have a lot to talk about. As soon as I saw that, I knew this channel was a loser. I actually put out on Twitter, this is two months ago, <laughs> nobody is impressed with CNN Plus. It's the same as regular CNN, except stupider. And look at Silly Wallace walking out of the shadows like some fake news vampire. No thanks. Well, I wasn't the only one. Nobody, I mean, nobody would shell out five bucks for CNN content. Absolutely not. They sure were pushing it, though. They thought they were really cool. They weren't. We've been watching history unfold. Are you ready for a new beginning? Let's go deeper on this. This is make or break. It's having an effect on our daily lives. There are two new developments to talk about. Here are five things you need to know. It just looks like regular CNN with a, a better song in the background, okay? And all two new developments, five things you need to know. All these stale fake news tricks, okay? We've seen them all before. What else? This is the big picture. We have a lot to talk about. 
And again, with Wallace, all right, he ruined the debates. Nobody likes him. It didn't work. Hey, another uh, streaming service, a bigger one, took a major hit. Netflix, have you heard about this? They're losing all kinds of money and subscribers. Uh, the stock plunged 35% yesterday. Worst day since 2004. Uh, $54 billion in value, and subscribers are unsubscribing. And, uh, well, that would include me. I can't stand it. The show's I can never find a show, for one. And when I do, it's terrible uh, or just mediocre or weird. Too woke. Netflix has gone woke. Look at this show they're all proud of. He's expecting, yeah, a guy gets pregnant. Uh, do they really think, you know, this may work for the New York Times. It doesn't work for America. It's actually only about two centimeters long. But that's your baby. A baby? Uh, what do you... I need you to listen to me carefully, Mr. Hiyama. You're a pregnant man. It's ludicrous. But at least that's fiction. They're even worse when they're trying to be truthful, when they do a docu-series or uh, a documentary. Now, When They See Us, a series uh, that came out about two years ago about the Central Park Five and the Central Park Jogger. Do you remember this? Five men went to jail for raping and assaulting um, a jogger in New York City on April 19th of 1989. It was a horrible, horrible crime. The whole world was talking about it. Here is some, uh, some footage from that era. Eight suspects were arraigned this weekend, aged 14 to 17. Some of the young men told police they were just out wilding. Wilding is a word you won't find in Webster's. Wilding. New York City police say that's new teenage slang for rampaging and wolf packs, attacking people just for the fun of it. The district attorney's office says that the teenagers have confessed. The spokesman said some of those confessions are on videotape. A woman jogging and Central Park. The evidence against them was overwhelming, and I am extremely confident. In fact, I know they did it. They did it. Um, and by the way, that little thing about wilding, it's one thing they got wrong. Ever hear Tone Loke and that song, Wild Thing? Yeah, that's what they were talking about. Not wilding, like running around. They were talking about the wild thing. You can look up the Tone Loke song. So... Uh, this uh, docuseries comes out when they see us. And of course, what do they do? It's uh, 2019. They demonize the police. They demonize the prosecutors. And they celebrate and elevate the bad guys. That's what folks do. That's what our culture is all about right now. And they try to destroy the life of a hero, a woman who has saved lives and protected New York for decades. Her name is Linda Fairstein. She actually started the first ever sex crimes unit. Well, they portrayed her as something she's not, as a bigot, as borderline corrupt. Now, she is a very honorable public servant and went on to become a very successful writer. After this series came out, all that went away. They canceled her. What's going on is that the people now are finally understanding how wicked she was, the witch hunt that she created just so that she could like literally get a mark for herself. Well, clearly, she's the villain uh, as portrayed uh, in the series and the tactics, the the length that she went uh, to uh, to uh, force a narrative that these young men were guilty of this crime. But she says she has time. nothing to apologize right. for. That's the, yeah. that's, that's, that's the point. What do you make up of the fallout for, for the, the prosecutor? That is success of the fruit of the fallen tree. 
You know, maybe it's a badge of honor when a corrupt and warped Hollywood says you're a bad person and it says that the bad people are good people. So Linda Fairstein, again, a hero to so many New Yorkers. They took her book deal. They took uh, so much from her. She's fighting back. She's suing Netflix. And for what I'm seeing and reading, um, she's winning. She's winning some pretrial motions and we'll, we'll see what happens. Those defendants, however, they're guilty and they confessed. Now, you probably heard, well, those are false confessions. And you've heard about false confessions before. No, this is not false confessions. They videotaped them back in 1989. People who say that actually never sat down to watch them. Well, let's do that right now. Do you think this is a false confession? Do you think Corey Wise is making this up? You think he's saying something the cops told him to say? Listen. This is my first raid. I never did this before in the school room the last time doing it. This is my first experience. Did you hit her or kick her? I ain't do nothing. I was just playing with her. Did you hold her legs down? Huh? I hold her legs down for what? Five seconds. That's and that was when Stephen was on top of her? Yeah. Okay, well, it was only his first rape. He was just playing with her, and he only held her leg down, according to him, for, for five seconds. Those are interesting details. You think the cops told him to say any of that stuff? Think he's making it up to please them? That's a legit confession. Next, this is uh, Raymond Santana. Were you watching? No, I was grabbing the Were you standing up or kneeling or sitting down beside me? You leaning over? I was on my knees. Was her shirt on? Did you know where her shirt was? Do you know where her bra was? So while Kevin was on top of her, was he laying on top of her? Mm-hmm. And while he was doing that, you were feeling her breasts with both hands? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of detail there. Were you standing? No, no, no. I was kneeling. And he says he was playing with her. You saw the. You saw what he said. Next is um, Antron McRae. When she was on the ground and you said that you kicked her? Mm-hmm. Were other people also kicking and hitting her? Yes. How many times did you kick her? She feel like twice. Were you grabbing her arms? Yeah, I had her on her left arm. And where were you holding that? Over her head or to the side? Or? So I had her like this and this. Okay, and you, and you were holding it. Was she trying to pull her hand away? Mm-hmm. When you got on top of her, you had your penis out of your pants? Yes fake. The jury didn't think it was fake. The judge didn't think it was fake. Now, there was a person named Mateus Reyes whose DNA was found at the scene. Now, that was known, by the way, to the judge. And they said in court papers, there's DNA here that's not associated with these defendants. They think they always said there were more than these five. This man was a serial rapist. They said, oh, It could not have happened with those five others because this person only worked alone. He was known to only work alone, except for the time he assaulted his mother. He did that with a friend of his. So they believed everything this guy said when he came forward in the early 2000s to say, I did it by myself. Nobody else was there. They took the word of a convicted rapist spending life in prison and said, okay, you did it by yourself. Now all those guys went free. It didn't invalidate those confessions, not by a long shot. No way. You can find them online and you can listen. The detail is there. 
and in court documents again, DNA evidence did not exonerate anybody. It implicated somebody they could not find, okay? So these guys have it made now though. They were given millions of dollars by New York City and feted, feted at the opening of that silly Netflix documentary. They did it and they know it. We'll be right back with a wild scene at the State House in Florida. Yeah, they took over the House of Representatives there almost like January 6th. We'll be right back. A liberty-loving American takes on Washington, Hollywood, and the whole media establishment. He's Chris Salcedo. Join his fight. Tune in to The Chris Salcedo Show every weekday afternoon on Newsmax. John F. Kennedy, the late John F. Kennedy, wrote a book, kind of, called Profiles and Courage. And, uh, well, for a couple of decades now, the Kennedy family has been giving out an award called the Profile and Courage Award. It's always... um, uh, a lefty award. It's very politically loaded, but every year they do it. And now the grandson of JFK, a guy named Jack Schlossberg, is handing out the award. He was on the Today Show today. Check it out. To celebrate the qualities of political courage that he admired most, public servants who have made courageous decisions without regard for personal or professional consequences. Well, this year, five people have been chosen, and we can reveal them now. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, Congresswoman Liz Cheney, Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, Arizona State House Speaker Russell Rusty Bowers, and Wandrea Shea Moss, an elections worker in Fulton County, Georgia, and JFK's grandson, Jack Schlossberg, Helps with the foundation, help chose, choose those recipients and joins us now. Hi, Jack. It's good to see you. Good to see you, Savannah. We're always thrilled when you bring us these stories. All right. So they gave them to a bunch of people who are uh, opposed to President Trump. More on that in a second. But the Profile and Courage Award from the Kennedys, really? You know, I had a role in this for many years. Ted Kennedy. Yes, Ted Kennedy was involved. And I'm sorry. I still think about it. Chappaquiddick. Profile and courage, this guy let a girl die in a creek. Yet for many years, he was associated with the Profile in Courage Award. Just to be sure, you know, he left her down there. He swam for it and then, well, did everything he could do to cover his tracks. And uh, he actually escaped responsibility and was able to run for president. Wow. 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 Uh, Don't like him. And the Kennedys, sorry. Anyway, what else happened on the Today Show? A lot of them faced death threats for the stances they took to defend democracy. That's right. Um, I spoke to Wandra Moss on the phone, Shay Moss. Um, her life really changed. Uh, she was an election worker counting ballots. She was called out by President Trump. No one in that position should be called out by the sitting president for doing their job. Uh, but she did, and she stood firm, and we should celebrate her for that. President has every right to call out a person in the swamp he doesn't think is doing their job, and a lot of them weren't, by the way. Hey, one thing I uh, hasn't been pointed out in a long time, but this book and this award, you know, the Profile and Courage Award, named for the book by John F. Kennedy, uh, it wasn't written by him. It was actually written by Ted Sorensen, his top aide. It was ghostwritten. He deserved the Pulitzer Prize. All right, in Tallahassee, Florida, a bunch of lawmakers shut down their own statehouse. Take a look. 
So they think gerrymandering is a black attack, by the way. And oh, by the way, what they're doing is uh, against the law. Then they broke out into song. We shall overcome. We shall overcome. We shall overcome. Okay, so uh, <laughs> there are some January Sixers who behaved in a similar manner uh, in the Capitol. And they're in a heap of trouble. And everything they just did, well, that's what they're accusing the January 6th crowd of. Obstruction of an official proceeding, demonstrating in the Capitol building, disorderly conduct, yeah, uh, parading, all that kind of stuff. Those guys, many of them, are still in jail, okay? But they have a lot of things going against them. Being pro-Trump, being white, yeah, it's really a thing now. How unfortunate. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Useless white whore, dirty white you want to look down at me, you. Wow, that is the suspected subway gunman from last week who shot 10 people in a rage. Uh, the FBI used to have a term for this, black identity extremism. However, that term is uh, considered politically incorrect and the FBI walked away from it. It would seem, perhaps, that that has made us all less safe. What do you think? I'd like to bring in my panel. We have Michael Grimm, Newsmax contributor, former congressman from New York, also former Marine and former agent in the FBI. Welcome, sir. And also former Congressman Alan West, also an Army veteran, 20 years of service. And uh, welcome to you both. Uh, sir, first to you, uh, Colonel West, Congressman West. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what happened to you in Buffalo? Uh, the viral video, you, you, they yeah. were so irate about your presence. What happened up there? Well, I think I had an experience, a close encounter with black identity extremists, because there I was talking about how America is not a racist nation, trying to talk about being a victor or not a victim, a guy that was born in a blacks-only hospital. But obviously that triggered these uh, young black students, and there were some white students there. But they began shouting, banging on doors, and they were screaming, Black Lives Matter, no justice, no peace. And I had to be escorted off that campus uh, by police officers. Now, imagine if that was a black liberal speaker and there were white students that were there protesting like that, uh, we'd be talking about white supremacy uh, on the campus of the University of Buffalo. But right now, you hear nothing. That is wild. So unfortunate. So two-faced, uh, two I guess. Or, you know, there's a double standard here. Congressman Grimm, you know, the FBI took this off the table. B-I-E, Black Identity Extremism. They used to talk about it. It was considered politically incorrect. They don't anymore. Why would they do such a thing when it actually is a thing? Good evening, Greg. It's, it's simple. They are more concerned about 
their appearance, how they look in the media and politics than they are about solving crimes and, and keeping the nation safe. I mean, let's look at it. You have you just had this horrific uh, shooting in Brooklyn, right, in the subway. This guy was on their radar. I think he may have even been interviewed by the FBI. You had in Wisconsin, if you remember, the Christmas parade where the guy drove his car through there. He was on the, the radar of the FBI. Uh, the Capitol Police officer that was killed when the guy tried to ram with his vehicle into the into the building of the Capitol was killed. These are black nationalists. These are black extremists. There's no question what it is. But if you ask the FBI now, what's the motive behind these? They tell you they're still looking into it. We're not sure. We don't know. We'll get back to you. So it's obvious. You just played the clip before of of this, the hatred being spewed by that individual um, I think it was Franklin James in Brooklyn that killed all those, that shot all those people in the subway. They, they didn't die. But it's, it's because they are concerned about what's going on in the popular media and their image and how they are perceived rather than keeping us safe and doing their job. And they've had quite a few failures, including, in my opinion, all those that I just mentioned that were on their radar and they weren't able to you know, follow up and actually prevent something from happening before the tragedy occurred. So uh, not too long ago, a couple of days ago, there was a major attack in Boston. Uh, a gang kicked and punched a young woman uh, on the street. Now, we believe this was racially motivated. They perceived her to be a white woman. Turns out she was Hispanic. They didn't like her hair. Uh, the attackers were mostly black, if not exclusively black. A lot of young kids. You know, Congressman West, Colonel West, it seems like America is having a very silly conversation about race to avoid having a consequential one, a serious one, mm -hmm. that may make people uncomfortable, but I feel like people are dying as a result. I'd rather be uncomfortable than seeing people die unnecessarily. No, you're absolutely right, Greg, and the pandering is laughable, and it is also quite disconcerting. You know, I grew up in the inner city of Atlanta, Georgia, the same neighborhood that produced Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and Dr. King talked about America being a country for his children, where they would judge people on the content of their character, not the color of their skin. But this whole cultural Marxism, 1619 Project, Black Lives Matter, all of these things are taking us back and looking at people based upon the color of their skin, because that's what the left wants to do. Now, I guess you can see my little grandson peek around behind me. But that's what the left wants to do. They want to divide us by any means necessary, any means that they can possibly do so. And race happens to be one of them now. I thought it was your uh, your your son or your daughter, your baby. I, I, I didn't I, I didn't know you were a granddad. That's that's amazing. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. We got to get you, Congressman Grimm. Uh, you are uh, I think you're a, you're a, you're a, you're a future family man. Final thoughts, Congressman. No, you're absolutely right. The, the, the left wants to destroy. You see, unfortunately, the black community, they're being hijacked. This is not about race. This is a smokescreen. There are people that hate our country. They hate the fact that we have the freedom that we have and the democracy that we have. And they want to destroy that. So they want to divide and conquer. And they see race as the easy way to go. You can race bait. You can you know, use the media. They control the media. They, they will cancel you on, on social media. They control the narrative. And if it doesn't fit their narrative, you won't hear about it. That's why you don't hear you know, this resurrection, which is the disgrace, what they're saying was a resurrection insurrection on the 6th. A white woman was shot by a black Capitol Police officer. She was unarmed. She was not acting violently. You don't hear a word about it. If it doesn't fit their narrative, the media gets rid of it. In fact, as soon as we found out that it was a black nationalist that shot all those, that shot all those people in Brooklyn, you don't hear about it anymore. Since the day they found out who he was and what he was about, 
You haven't heard a word on, on mainstream media. That's yeah, the problem. That's true. And uh, by the yeah. way, uh, it clearly was, in my opinion, domestic terrorism. That's what it looks like. You've listened to yeah. his ideology, what he was talking You're about. Right. Colonel Alan West, um, I'd love to see you back in Congress. I know you've explored running <laughs> again. Uh, yeah. Can you give us any idea of, uh, of what's happening? You're such an important voice. Yeah. I mean, and you're being heard right now. But what is there? Is there a next step politically? Well, you know, I will tell you, I had the honor of serving with Michael Graham, and we came in in 2010 together, and uh, that was a, a great moment for America. And I just finished running for our governor down here in Texas, so I always will be a voice, and if this country needs me to step up, just the same as you did, Greg, just the same as Mike did, we took an oath to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and it doesn't have a statute of limitations. If my country needs me, I'll answer the call. I love it. I love it. And uh, Congressman Grimm, at the FBI, look, I would assume that the rank and file agents are great people and they got to be frustrated by what's coming down from the political leadership from Congress and also from uh, Christopher Ray. Actually, if you don't mind, this is Christopher Ray, FBI director, basically uh, saying we're not going to talk about black identity extremism anymore because it upsets people. Take a look. So nobody's being surveilled or investigated on the black and any extremism. We don't use we don't use that terminology anymore. That was part of the reorganization of all of our domestic terrorism threat categorization. That terminology went away uh, as part of this racially motivated violent extremism category. It, it just went away because it offended folks. Uh, I only have a few seconds left. Please, I hope that the rank and file agents are not on board with this new woke FBI. They're absolutely not, Greg, and they're frustrated. I speak to many of them all the time. The problem is their hands are tied. You're putting handcuffs on the FBI agents that want to do their job. They know what it is. They see it in front of them. It is what it is. If it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. And you can go down. You look at Franklin James in Brooklyn that we just spoke about, Parkland School in Florida. Then you had the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, whose father, yeah. the shooter's father, was an informant for the FBI. These failures, it, their record is replete with failures and it's because they don't allow their agents to actually do their job. The rank-and-file agents are the best in the business, but they're handcuffed, and the, and the brass, they won't let them do it. Congressman Grimm, thank you. Congressman West, thank you. And who's that uh, little boy? This is Jackson Bernard, my 11-month-old grandson. So uh, he's going to be a paratrooper like his uncle. <laughs> I mean, like his granddad. I'm sorry. That's you. <laughs> All right, Jackson Bernard and Congressman. Congressman, thank you very much. We'll be right back Thanks. with Peter Schweitzer. My fellow patriots, this is your all-time favorite president, Donald J. Trump. I wanted to share with you my newest book, Our Journey Together. It's a really beautiful coffee table book put out by Winning Team Publishing. Every photo in it, and there are many, has been picked by me, and every caption is my own. The book did tremendously well. We now have more in stock. Get your copy today at 45books.com. I think you'll really, really love it. Take a look at this. Jeff Cooper. This is a text message from Joe Biden to Hunter back in 2018. Jeff Cooper, whoever that is, asked for you, wants to do some work with you. Love, Dad, on a flight to Memphis. This was uncovered by Peter Schweitzer, uh, an amazing journalist, author of uh, Red Handed, How American Elites Get Rich Helping China Win. Hunter writes back, 
Uh, I'm at a funeral, leave me alone. Uh, <laughs> but there it is. You know, Joe said he never, ever, ever talked about business with Hunter. Remember that? Every single solitary, serious investigator, including your network and others, have looked at this, have said there's absolutely zero basis to the accusation that I enacted any way inappropriately or that my son did. Every major national, international, and local news operations looked into it has said it's a lie. This is the president's flat line. So there's not been a scintilla of evidence pointed out that anything is wrong. There's not a single solitary scintilla of evidence anywhere. There's not been one scintilla of evidence that my son ever interfered, that I ever asked me anything, that I ever got involved in anything. I mean, come on. This is... So <laughs> These so, guys are amazing. So you think that everything that happened was kosher? You know there's not one single bit of evidence... Not one little tiny bit to suggest anything done was wrong. You know that. All right. Again, this is a little indicator, but Joe was working with Hunter. That's what the text message suggests. What do you think, huh? Jeff Cooper asks for you, wants to do some work with you. Love, Dad. On a flight to Memphis, you might think it's harmless and maybe, well, no. I don't think it is. Here's something else from the Government uh, Accountability Institute from Peter Schweitzer. They took a look at commerce cronyism, inside deals and conflicts of interest and Chinese connections, and they focused on the Department of Commerce. It is no wonder that commerce is the fourth most lobbied federal office. It is no backwater, but rather the confluence of many rich streams. And because of that, it is an overlooked pool for corrupt behavior. Really is, you know, the Department of Commerce, like who's the Secretary of Commerce? It's considered a backwater by the media. Guess who used to work there? Hunter. Yes, Hunter got himself a, uh, a job in the Commerce Department back during, I believe, Bill Clinton's administration. His qualifications for the job? Mm. Look, back to Hunter working with Joe. I've seen it. If you've been watching this show, you've seen it. Here they are uh, about 15 years ago or so at a political event in South Carolina. They have it down to an art. Look at how they talk to people, potential clients they are. They move from Joe to Hunter. Take a look. Yeah, maybe you can work something out, man. Yeah, yeah. 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 that's what we'll do. Well, Hunter was just telling about his firm in Washington. Right? Yeah. Law firm. Yeah. Do you have a card or anything? I do. I, I don't, but I'll give you my... Uh, well, let me give you my yeah, card. Yeah, and then I'll, I'll give, I gave them yeah. all away. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a wonderful speech. Thank you. That was Paul who wrote that. Are you you're the core of what I wrote there in your dad. Well, I thought, yeah. you know, coming from a... You know, and you see that Hunter talks business with the guy who actually really wanted to talk to Joe. And doesn't this resonate more than anything? 10% held by H for the big guy. This is real stuff. I believe Joe is in trouble. Let's stay tuned and we'll be right back. Turn to the smart conservative news that you can trust. Newsmax. Real news for real people. Newsmax cuts through the noise to deliver the inside look and breaking stories you can trust. No bias, no BS. Unintimidated and unafraid. Every minute, every day. Don't get out foxed. Get the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. Stand by for Stinchfield, and we'll see you tomorrow. Many thanks.